Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 70 of Chatter from the Cheap Seats. Today is Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. We're going to be talking some sports today. NBA Finals is happening. Baseball, we're near the All-Star break, near the trade deadline. Lots to talk about in the MLB. I'm joined by Oriachin today. Jack is not able to join us. He's been having a lot of internet issues, so he will be back next week, hopefully. We'll uh, update you guys on that. But Ori is here. He's joined us today. Ori, how's it going? Going great. Came back from baseball practice. I know so did you. Yep. Um, feeling good. It was hot today. Like It was hot. 95, humid, like classic Maryland weather. Uh, <laughs> but no, feeling good. Happy to be on. Um, lots of sports to talk about. And we're going to talk about your Cubs, who are definitely uh, not too happy. Yeah, I'm. I have lots of words. I'll, I'll save it for later in the show, of course. But it's been rough watching the Cubs. Otherwise, I've been doing all right. You know, lots of baseball of my own uh, practices and stuff. Today was hot. I can uh, back up Ori's testimony on that. It was very hot today. Um, did cool down. It was a little nicer as it kind of the sun started going down. So that was that was nice. But a hot day, hot weather. And uh, hot stuff going on in the NBA. Good transition, right? So let's get right on with the sports here. Tonight is actually game one of the NBA Finals. We've all been waiting for it all year. We have the Bucks and the Suns. And before we talk about the Finals and our predictions and what we think is going to happen, we have to go back and talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, which on this show we have not talked about yet. The Bucks were able to win games five and six Without Giannis, now he is back for the finals. He was able, he's cleared to play in game one. But when you have a player of Giannis's magnitude and you win without him in the two biggest games of the year, it's very impressive. So, Ori, how did the Bucks pull this off? How did they beat the Hawks, who did have Trey Young in that last game? How did they beat the Hawks without their best player in Giannis Antetokounmpo? Well, I mean, it's crazy to me that they were able to pull off the win without Giannis because with the Bucks, we always say, like, it's a one-star team. Um, you got Giannis and you have everyone else kind of backing him up. And they showed that that's not necessarily the case. Like, yes, Giannis is your main star, but you have ballers on this team. Like, the, the main player that really stepped up in both of those games where Giannis wasn't there was Chris Middleton. He went absolutely off, played 45 minutes in game five, and 41 minutes in game six, he was on the floor all the time, yeah. taking on kind of a LeBron role of just always playing when it counts because his team needed the win. He played exceptionally well. I mean, Brooke Lopez went off for 33 points in game <laughs> five, which is just I That mean, was ridiculous. That was ridiculous. I agree. Um, so, yeah, like just really, really great stuff from these role players that are kind of stepping up. Chris Middleton has always kind of been that, like, number two guy, but – he really showed he can, like, I mean, maybe not lead a team, but he definitely led a team in the Bucks over the Hawks for both those games. He was the leader on the floor. Um, I think it was amazing. Game six, I think they mainly won because Trey Young just wasn't that great. I mean, 
14 points. Like after the injury, I just don't think he was fully healthy. Don't think he was fully himself. Um, but yeah, those role players really, really stepped up. Oh my God. And you, I think you said it perfectly with the Bucks because we tend to think the Bucks and we think Giannis is their success. We, you know, I'm going to compare him to the Bulls of the 90s. It's almost like he's the MJ. But we have to start thinking of Chris Middleton as a Scottie Pippen-esque uh, role player for him. Yep. I don't even yep. want to call him a role player because he really is a star with another star that's just better than he is. He really stepped up. And, you know, or you already said this, 26 points in Game 5, 32 points in Game 6, and he's also contributing. He's getting boards. He had 13 rebounds in Game 5, 7 assists in Game 6. This is a guy that can do it all. And he is a huge reason why this Bucks team is successful. Not all of the stat lines are going to be as impressive as that because Giannis is going to be getting the ball a lot more of the time when he's on the floor. But when Middleton has the opportunity to step up, he does. And it's not just Middleton. That's what this Bucks team is. It's a bunch of guys who don't always get the ball because the concentration of um, who is getting the ball, it's going to be Giannis. Giannis is going to be getting the ball a lot of the time. He's going to get the big stat lines. But there's there's a lot of talent on this team on both sides of the floor. You can't forget about the defense, too, with the Bucks. But offensively, I mean, Bobby Portis contributed. He had 22 points at Game 5. A Drew Holiday, kind of showing that he can be a top point guard in this league, 25 points, 13 assists. This is a very well-fleshed-out Bucks team a very um, well-rounded Bucks team, and it's going to be fun to watch them in the finals against an up-and-coming team like the Suns. Now, I think Ori and I are both rooting for the Suns here in the finals. I, I know I can say I am. I love Chris Paul. Devin Booker is a Kentucky product. I'm a Kentucky basketball fan. Um, DeAndre Aiden has really kind of turned around his career this year. They've been a fun team to watch all year. How well do you think the Bucs can compete with the firepower that the Suns have brought this postseason? Well, it's a good question, and I want to go back to game one, actually, of the Hawks versus Bucks when they lost to the Hawks. And, you know, if you look at the stats, like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday both played major minutes, 41 and 42, but Chris Middleton only scored 15 points. And they lost that game. So they're going to need guys like Chris Middleton to play as well as they did in game five and game six. Maybe not, you know, have as many points because most of that's going to go to Giannis. But mm -hmm. you still need to be major contributors on the boards, getting assists and scoring points. If Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday can play like they did in game five and six, I think the Bucs have a really, really good shot of yeah. winning the series. And and if I, 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 you know, I'll, I'll let you keep going, but um, I just thought – I think it would maybe make some sense. Don't get the ball to Giannis as much because, yes, he's on the floor. He's healthy. But it kind of does feel like they're rushing it back from this injury. And I can't quite see what's happening. I have the game on game one. But I would guess that the game plan would be count more on the other guys. I think Giannis is still going to get most of the concentration of, you know, getting the ball passed to him. But I think they are going to, like you said, be counting on the other guys getting the ball to them more than they usually would because they did prove themselves in that Eastern Conference final. And I, I, I think for the Bucs, the game plan has to be make sure everyone gets the ball because if they're counting on Giannis and he's just not fully healthy, he's just not the Giannis we're used to seeing because of the injury, that could really hurt them. And 
if you're down one to nothing against the Suns, that could be it. You gotta yeah. really jump on them. So, or I'll let you keep going, but um, just want to. Well, no, I I think what you like it was a really good point that you made that he might not be fully healthy, and that is also gonna be you know even more of a reason and even more of a need for these role players to really step up and become sub stars. Like they're not the star that Giannis is, but they need to go like right behind him. They can't you know sit in the background like they did um in the regular season as much and early on in the postseason because against the Suns it's going to take the whole team and Giannis to win because this Suns team I mean come on they are so good I love I love Chris Paul Aiton's really become a great player oh my god um, he's really leveled out I, and I mean Booker's a beast so I mean they, they got like a three-headed monster there so the Bucks got to come with their own three-headed monster as well Absolutely. So, I guess, or would that mean that you're going with the Suns here? Uh, we're, yeah. I guess we'll file our official prediction. We're making it official here. We'll do um, series score, and I guess we could do finals MVP prediction. Make, okay. Right. Up a little bit. So, Ori, I, you have the Suns in how Yes, many? okay. So, I am going with it. Suns in four. They're way better than the Bucks. I think Giannis, you know, he's not fully healthy. Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday, I don't think you can expect them to really ball out like they have been um, against the Hawks late in that series. And this Suns team is clicking. I mean, come on. They absolutely dominated the Clippers. They've dominated this postseason. They're really channeling that bubble mentality. Um, And, I mean, Suns and four, the man, he's a legend. So I, I have to go with him. Yeah, well, and I remember you, you mentioned the bubble. I remember last year they won like seven or eight straight in the bubble. Yeah, and they almost like made the playoffs. That was I kind of forgot about that for a second, but that was kind of the first glimpse at what this group of guys could do. Yep. And then you bring in Chris Paul, who is really showed to be one of the best leaders in the NBA. He is almost I mean, DeAndre Aiden has admitted that Chris Paul coming to Phoenix has helped his career tremendously. The same has happened with Devin Booker, and that is why I also have to go with the Suns. It, it seems like the logical pick to make. I'm going to go with the Suns in six, however. I don't want to underestimate the Bucks too much. I really like that team defensively. And I think, like we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals, they can hurt you in a lot of different ways. But I think the Suns, like Ori said, they have that three-headed monster that... As good as Middleton and maybe Holiday is, it's not even close to how Booker, Paul, and Aiton have been playing throughout the season and especially in the playoffs. And you can't forget, they have a lot of good role players as well. You have Bridges, who has been having a good year. Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, who was also a huge acquisition this offseason. The Phoenix Suns are a deep team and a talented team. I think they're going to get the job done and bring a NBA championship to Phoenix for, I believe, the first time, right? I, I think it would be the first time that yeah. the Suns will win a championship. Yeah, it would be the first time. Who do you have for a series MVP? Yeah, so this, for me, I mean, I, I'm debating between Booker and Paul, mm-hmm. and hmm, I got to go Paul just because the magnitude of what he brings to that team. And I think Booker will probably have the bigger stat lines. That's his game. He'll have more points, possibly more rebounds, definitely more rebounds than Paul. 
maybe more assists. I mean, Chris Paul is an assist machine, don't get me wrong, but I think it's common knowledge now, now in the NBA what that guy has brought to that team. He is one of the most valuable players in basketball, period. I think he should have been in the MVP conversation this year with um, Embiid and with Jokic. I think Paul should have been in that conversation as well because of what he's done for this team. I think because that is common knowledge in the NBA, even if he doesn't have the huge stat lines to back it up, he will get the series MVP if the Suns come out on top, which I do believe they will. So, Well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that Booker is going to have the bigger stat lines. And when it comes to these awards, I think they're going to go off stat line, whether, whether Paul has that, which I do think he does. I think if they win, it's because of Chris Paul. They cannot do it without him, obviously. But Booker is going to have that 40-point game in this series. Booker is going to have, you know, a crazy – game where he goes like you know shooting 18 for 20 or something maybe a game winner who knows yeah exactly so i think it's going to be devin booker but i 100 agree with you that this series if one it's going to be because of chris paul so chris paul he might be the more valuable player when it comes to winning this series um but devin booker is going to have the bigger stat line i think he's going to have that crazy you know few games where he just goes off and so i think that's why he's going to be the series MVP, but you know, Chris Paul might come out and have 20 assists a game and win the series MVP. Like that wouldn't surprise me. He's an absolute monster at distributing. He doesn't turn the ball over. He takes smart shots. His mid range is just incredible. So I'm really excited to see him play. Um, and whenever this is done, I'm definitely going to go watch that game. Oh yeah, definitely. It's I, I sort of, it's on my TV, but it's kind of in a weird angle. So like, I can't really see anything. So honestly, I'm in the same boat. I'll have to watch the rest of that game once we finish up here recording. But it is now time to move on to the baseball because we have a lot of stuff going on. Some of it good, some of it not so good. If you're me or, even, you know, Jack, who the Yankees have been pretty bad. He's not here. Oh, yeah, but been pretty bad. We, we, we will make fun of the Yankees in a little bit because yeah. that's what we do. Jack, if you're listening, sorry. I'm not sorry, actually. But uh, we got to start off with the NL Central race. And this is this sucks for me. I'll have a lot of words, but I'll let you go first. The Cubs have lost nine straight. The Brewers had an eleven-game winning streak, which was finally snapped by the Pirates. And then the Reds swept the Cubs, which was part of that Cubs losing streak. And now they're in second place. I think the last time we recorded this podcast, the Cubs were in first place or pretty close to first place. They have since plummeted they're after with a loss tonight because they're down like a million to nothing. I don't even I haven't even checked the score in a while. Yeah, it's over. Uh, it's the Cubs are going to be under 500 for the first time since early May. And they're going to be in third place. If the Cardinals get on a surge, they'll soon see see themselves in fourth place. So, Ori, do you think the Cubs at this point are sellers as opposed to buyers because like I said just a few weeks ago it kind of looked like the opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. By the way, they did lose. It's official. So, oh, it's official? I haven't even checked. See, I don't even know. Yeah, I checked. So, I mean, it, it's crazy to go 10 straight losses. I mean, like, I understand kind of from the Diamondbacks, but, like, you're not comparing yourself to the Diamondbacks. And I think once those don't want comparisons – Yeah, you don't want to. So, once those comparisons start to happen, you got to be thinking about selling. And – 
you know, you have Chris Bryant. I know you love him. I know you don't want him to go. But at some point, this team just has to look at itself and say, in the next two years, like, are we going to be competitive enough to make a postseason run? It, that's probably not the case at this point. They don't have the pitching um, and I, they don't have the hitting. And Javi Baez, who's supposedly your star, strikes out like 40% of the time. So to me, you have to be selling. Um, try to get everything that you can. Do a rebuild. You know, you've done it before. You can do it again. Win another World Series out of it. So I, I think that's the way to go, sadly for you. But, you know, I'm in the middle of one right now, so I think you can handle it, Sam. Yeah, yeah, I, I maybe me and Ori can finally start to relate here a little bit on the whole uh, rebuilding thing. But um, I think it's pretty interesting with the Cubs because they have plummeted. I mean, it's going to be eleven straight games. It's been brutal, and it just kind of sucks that that could be a run that ends Chris Bryant or Craig Kimbrell possibly their stint as Cubs, which. You may be asking, you know, what are the Cubs going to sell? Brian is the obvious kind of candidate to be sold for the Cubs. He could be going to the Mets, maybe the Blue Jays, if they're trying to really go all in on this year. I doubt the Blue Jays. I think the Mets are a good fit, though, for Chris Bryant. They don't really have an everyday guy right now at third base, and he would be a really nice piece to fill out that infield that already has Alonzo and Lindor, who will, I hope, start to play better. And I hate talking about it. You know I hate talking about one of my favorite players ever leaving the Cubs. But it's just the way it is. Um, sometimes as a team, you just have to look yourself in the mirror, like Ori, you were kind of saying. And you just have to ask yourself, can we win this year? And we're going to be under 500. And I don't know if the answer to that is yes. The starting pitching has been horrible. All year. That that has been the one constant, I will say. Uh, Hendricks has been better. Hendricks has been pretty good. Zach Davies has been better. He had a horrible start to the year, but he's been putting together some nice outings. But besides that, Jake Arrieta, that experiment has turned out to be a complete failure. Because really the decision was between Arrieta and John Lester. We could have kept Lester another longtime Cub, a hero in Chicago. He's having a good year, sub-4 ERA right now in Washington. Arietta's ERA, the past few starts, is over 7. I think on the year, it's around 5. Arietta's been horrible. He's not the pitcher he was by a long shot. He throws like five mile, mile, he throws 5 miles less than he used to. He can't really throw for strikes, and he, when he does, it's in the heart of the zone. And then besides that, we've been relying on depth pieces. Adbert Alzali, who's talented but an unknown. It's been rough with the starting pitching. The bullpen was the best part of our team, and then now they're imploding. And that's really because of the bad starting pitching. When you can't rely on your starters to give you depth, which they have not been able to do all year, your bullpen cannot stay consistent. And it's a shame because at one point, we were one of the better bullpens in baseball, and we still are up there. But you can see our ERA, our strikeout rate, some of those stats start to plummet. And then the offense is is the hardest part because you look at the team on paper and you look at these guys and what they've done, and it kind of baffles you. Chris Bryant has been solid. He's having an all-star year. He made the all-star team. But besides that, Rizzo is not this – he just doesn't look the same. Baez, or you already mentioned it, 
he's striking out nearly 40% of the time, leading the league in strikeouts, and he's near the bottom of the league in walks. I, and I, I actually detailed this last podcast. I had uh, my friend Henry on, but let me put it to you this way. There was an at-bat by a few weeks ago. First pitch, slider in the dirt, chases it. Huge swing, swinging for the fences. Next, fastball at his head. Swings at that one, too. Strike two, two pitches not even close to the strike zone. And then the third pitch of the at-bat, fastball right down the middle, right in his wheelhouse. He takes it for strike three. So that has been Baez's season this year. And it's stuff like that. So many strikeouts. This team is, during this losing streak, led the league in strikeouts as a team striking out over 30% of the time, which is horrible. The Cubs have a lot of issues right now. And as much as it pains me to say it, as much as I want to keep this core together, you got to start thinking of the future because I want more World Series. I want more postseason runs. I want more memories and stuff. And with this team, it just might not happen. Uh, I'm kind of admitting defeat here almost. I think Bryant has a lot of value right now. He has a ton of value. He's been having a good year. If you wait and then you don't sign him back in the offseason, it's like, what are you doing? So I, unless they turn it around and win like 10 straight games, don't see that happening. I think um, I think the Cubs are going to have to sell. It, it makes me very sad, Ori. It makes me really, really sad. But I, I know I went on about the Cubs, but this NL Central has been changing really fast. Like I said, the Brewers have been electric all year, and then they got really hot. They won 11 straight games. Ori, what is with this Brewers team? What makes them so good? And what do you think is to come for this team are they going to be the NL Central champions? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy because coming into this season, none of us, none of us thought that the Brewers would be atop this division. We didn't think they had the pitching. Uh, you know, you were talking about Yelich not being the same. Um, it, it's just wild that they've been able to do so well. I mean, they had an 11-game win streak. Crazy that it was snapped by the Pirates, who have been just yeah, absolutely – I mean, they've been absolutely abysmal. And they, they're the ones to break the streak, which is pretty funny. But um, this offense has been absolutely clicking. Even though, you know, you're, you were right. I mean, Yelich hasn't been – The same. Some, he hasn't been he incredible. Stop. He's been walking a lot. Yelich has been walking he hasn't walk he hasn't a lot. not been the same. And, yeah. I mean, this offense, you were kind of saying they're clicking. And you got to – for me, I give credit to Willie Adamas. I think – Two months ago, like end of May, you know, maybe I guess that's more of a month ago. It was kind of, you know, a weird trade in my eyes, but it sort of made a little sense. The Brewers acquired Willie Adamas from the Rays. They sent two relievers. It was a JP Fireisen and somebody else to the Rays. So now Adamas wasn't really having that good of an offensive year. But since Willie Adamas has joined the Brewers, he's uh, his slash line is 293. 377, 544. Willie Adamas has been slugging 544 since he's joined the Brewers. And you look at when this offense is starting to click. It's really when they added that bat into the lineup. He has been an X factor for them. And, you know, I, I've heard he wasn't that good at hitting at the trop in Tampa Bay. Getting him out of there, and it's like, boom. And he's just raking. He has eight home runs in 41 games, which is quite a lot. Willie Adamas has been great, and Yelich has not been the same. On-base machine, but not the same slug that we're used to from Yelich. 
but a lot of guys are making an impact. And you have a lot of guys, too, that are hurt. Colton Wong has been dealing with a lot of injuries, but once he gets back, he's going to be a factor because when he's healthy, he's been hitting the ball really well. And you know how good Colton Wong is defensively. He has a gold glove there at second base. And then Ori, this rotation, right? This rotation is absolutely disgusting. You got a three-headed monster with Woodruff, Burns, and Freddie Peralta. So take us through a little bit that rotation because that's really the best part of this team and the bullpen. Yeah, you could talk about that too. I mean, yeah, the, the pitching, it, it's it's kind of crazy that like we we were saying like this offense might be good, but the pitching would be horrible, right? Like that had to be the consensus. And now, you know, you talked about it. Brandon Woodruff has been – just impeccable. Like, seriously, he's been so good. 2.1 ERA, uh, over 100 innings pitch. He's an absolute workhorse. Um, Freddie Peralta. Oh, oh my that. God. Like, 2.2 okay. ERA. This man's been crazy. His slider, in my opinion, is one of the best pitches in the game. I, I, I watch the Brewers a lot because the Cubs play them a lot. He has a filthy slider. I don't care if you're throwing it to a righty. Uh, or in on the lefty, it, it you can't hit that thing. I and he's come out of nowhere too. I mean, I, I Freddie Peralta has been incredible, and then Corbin Burns too, like you were saying. Yeah, Corbin Burns too as well. And then in the bullpen, I mean, Josh Hader, like Josh Hader's the best reliever in baseball. Best I mean, reliever. Let's just get that straight right now. Yeah. Uh, 0.5 ERA. What, like, what more do you need to know? I, he he strikes out his strikeout per nine is fifteen. Jesus Christ. His home run is zero. He hasn't let a home run this whole season. I mean, yeah. And then you also have Williams, who's been playing a lot better, who is – Yeah. He was kind of that last year. He was just filthy last year. And um, let me just look through my notes here. I was writing down – you also have – oh, yeah, Brad Boxberger, who was an acquisition this offseason. He's been really solid. He has an ERA in like the twos or threes. They have a very good bullpen and Mm -hmm. a filthy rotation. And a lot of times, like I remember a few weeks ago, the Cubs had a three-game set with the Brewers. We got Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff. You can't win. You can't. Yeah. We got swept that series. Because how are you supposed to win with that three-headed monster? And I know in the NL, a lot of the focus is on the West with the Giants, who've been a surprise. Dodgers and Padres, powerhouses. And even in the East with the Mets. But you can take this seriously because I hate the Brewers more than anybody. This is a good team and a scary team that offensively is getting better fast, has steadfast pitching that is going to just keep being good, steady, steady, steady. I really like the Brewers. I think they can be even better in the second half than they've been in the first half, and I'm not capping when I say that. I I am not capping, Ori. He is not capping. You heard it from Sammy. I mean – I know, I know how much you hate the Brewers. So I mean, they beat us all the time. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, they're part of that nine game. Uh, so, yeah. um, other than the NL, there is other big news. One of my favorite players, Brett Phillips. I mean, come on, this man is an absolute legend. He was against the Orioles earlier in the season. And um, he got hit by a pitch, and he faked charging the mound. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> and that, that was really funny. And then he gets on to pitch. Is Brett Phillips the new Shohei? That's what we wrote in our uh, <laughs> in our little outline. Um, yes. 
I mean, he threw 94 first pitch. Yeah, dude, he was slinging, man. That was like, whoa. I mean, and like 94 for a position player, like. That's hard. Yeah, that that's like, that's some cheese right there. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, I mean, but you have to give credit to Brett Phillips. He starts him oh. off with the 94, catches him off guard. They don't even know what to expect. And then he hits uh, him 47. 47, maybe like mid-50s a little bit. I mean, he might be one of the best two-way players ever. Shohei, I think Shohei should just stop playing baseball. Yeah. I think that's what he should do because Brett Phillips no is too good. Yeah, he, I mean, did you see his delivery? He's <laughs> facing, he's facing like first base. It was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, like his leg was going straight, like pointing at the batter. Like, it, I mean, it was hilarious. I mean, it was hilarious. Brett Phillips, and you said this too. I mean, he's got to be one of my favorites. I, I kind of was first introduced to him, like a lot of people, last year during game four of the World Series. When he had the walk off and that insane play with the bobble in center field, and then he did the airplane, you know, I, that's when I was first introduced. And then I saw the interview, and you can just tell this is a class act, a funny guy, lighthearted, doesn't take himself too seriously. And I love this. He just loves the game of baseball. You can tell whenever he's out there, he's having such a good time. He's like a little kid. That's what you, that's what it looks like when he's pitching out there. It's like a little kid just playing in the backyard, having a good old time. I love that about Brett Phillips. Baseball needs more Brett Phillips. I'll put it that way. And also, he is one of the few guys who has a uh, – he does have the double flap. I don't know if you noticed that watching him play. I found that pretty interesting. Uh, I think he's because he's a switch hitter. But mm -hmm. I, yeah, Brett Phillips is the man. Uh, best pitcher of all time. Best Great lettuce. Of all time. It's Great lettuce. Not, oh, oh, he does have good lettuce. He has the flow right now. That, that is true. He has some serious flow. So at the end of the day, like we already kind of said, is Brett Phillips the new Shohei? Yes, he is. That, that's all we need to really say about that subject. Uh, now to the Dodgers back in the west part of the NL. They are tearing it up right now. They kind of got off to a cold start of the year. Not cold, but for Dodger standards, they weren't dominating everyone like we always uh, think that they should, but they have won nine straight games last I checked, and they may have made it 10 because I did write that down yesterday, but they have been absolutely electric, and I think they're only a half game out of first place in the NL West. Are the Dodgers going to win that division? Because that is the best divisional race in baseball, and it's not even close. You have three great teams. Do you think the Dodgers are going to be the ones that come out on top in that division? I mean, it's tough. It's the best division in baseball. I, I, I mean, I think you can say that pretty confidently. You have the Padres and the Dodgers, which are the on paper, like, best teams in the league, undoubtedly. And then you have the Giants that, like, come out of nowhere. Brandon Crawford's an all-star. Dude, like, I, look, just a uh, side note, I just got Brandon Crawford and MLB The Show. Oh, <laughs> my God, man. This card, I, I have, like, 10 at-bats. Four home runs with a grand – I had a grand slam in today's game. I just had to – Brandon Crawford's my guy, man, and that will be the show. But, yeah, in real life, he's been an X factor for the Giants, and a huge part of that team that has come out of nowhere, like you said. But I, I did have to mention that because he's carrying my team right now. 
<laughs> Sammy is uh, just like me, MLB the show enthusiast. <laughs> we both love the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, Brandon Crawford comes out of nowhere. This whole team came out of nowhere. I think a lot of us had them at the bottom of this division. I mean, Close to it. Yeah, like it, it's wild what's happening. The real question, Sammy, I'm going to pitch it to you. I think the Dodgers could beat the Padres. The question is, can the San Francisco Giants sustain this success? Do you believe in this team? I'm going to be honest. I like the Giants. I, I really like the Giants. I want to like the Giants. And I do believe in the Giants. However, the Dodgers are going to win this division. I, I, I don't think there are too many questions about that. The Giants will see... A nine, I think they could even see 95-plus wins, depending on how the second half goes. I think they will be a playoff team. And I think they're a team that could make a run because you know how important starting pitching is. They have that made. They have one of the best rotations in baseball up there with the Mets and you know the White Sox have been good, but they're right up there. The Giants have a filthy rotation. And... You know, you look at their lineup, that's where the limitations start to come for me. And where you look at the Dodgers, and once the Dodgers start getting guys healthy again, it's hard to even compare because the Dodgers also have a great rotation with some guys either hurt or on uh, leave. Uh, cough, cough, Trevor Bauer. <laughs> um, we won't get into that too much, but um, the Giants have a great rotation, but offensively, I don't know if I could trust it compared to the Dodgers. I love what Crawford's done this year. I love what Posey has done. But all around, I don't know if I could trust the success that all of these guys have had. Now, that's not to say they think they're going to fall off. I just think the Dodgers are going to be better because gee, the Dodgers are ridiculous. I, mean, I was talking about their starting pitching. They are looking to add a starting pitcher. Imagine that rotation if they add Herman Marquez or, I don't know, John Gray from the Rockies or... Maybe even Kyle Gibson from the Rangers, who's been having a great year. They could add another arm to that rotation, which is kind of impossible to believe. The Dodgers are going to win that division in my eyes. They're just too good. Yeah, I, I think th this team is like the, almost the equivalent to like the Golden State Warriors when they had everyone. Like, they're, they're so good. They're so good. And if they get all their pitchers back, um, they're going to have like one of the best rotations in baseball. They have one of the best lineups in baseball. They have the, one of the best, you know, bullpens in baseball. They've so, just done it right. They've done it yeah, right. They have done it right. Their farm system. Like this is a team that spends money, but spends money into their future as well. Like mm -hmm. so well run. They have such a great farm system. Those young guys are coming up. I mean, Lux is insane. So like th this team has done it right. They're going to win the division, but. San Francisco, like, they're not going to win this division, but they're going to sneak into that wild card, and Absolutely. they can make some noise. I'll tell you. Because you need, like I already said, making you look at teams that have made good playoff runs. The starting pitching is really a constant. Last year, the Dodgers. 2019, you had the Nationals. Best rotation in baseball that year. They were ridiculous. 2018, you had the sale-led Red Sox. 2017, the Astros were an offensive team, but they had a good rotation as well. The 2016 Cubs had a great, you know, I could go on and on every year. All of these teams have starting pitching that can get you depth, get you deep into games, so you can hit it off to your best guys in the bullpen and trust that they're going to get the job done because it's when you only go four or five innings as a starting pitcher. You have to give it to some of your maybe less trusted bullpen arms 
that games could start to go, you know, bye-bye. You know, you could start seeing games go away. I don't know what a better way to put it. But that's where the Dodgers are so good and the Giants. I mean, you look at all these teams in the NL West, they all have great starting pitching. It, it's going to be a fun division to watch, and all of these three teams could win it. Yeah, I, I, I have no doubt in my mind. It's just who's going to have that really good second half, who's going to get hot at the right time, and it's really looking to me like it's going to be the Dodgers who have some guys that can get hot, like Mookie Betts, who hasn't been great. But, man, imagine if he gets playing at Mookie Betts level and then guys who've been hurt. So Dodgers, I think they're going to be winning the NL West. And moving out to the AL East, and Jack is not here to talk, so we're going to be extra brutal today to the Yankees. But they have been having some serious issues. Garrett Cole and Aroldis Chapman, ever since they banned the sticky stuff, have been struggling in a major way, in a question-this-contract sort of way, for Garrett Cole at least. I've heard a lot of Yankee fans really kind of calling it, just freaking out because they just gave this guy a ton of money, and now it seems like he might not be able to pitch without some of that sticky stuff. Do you think that's the case? With Garrett Cole, or do you think he can get back where he should be without the sticky stuff? All right, so when we're talking about um, these Yankees pitchers, Cole and Chapman, I think it affects them differently, the ban of sticky stuff, because unlike uh, Chapman, who I think really uses the sticky stuff for control, um, you see it when he's been absolutely yanking his pitches, and you know the sticky stuff definitely helps him control. I think Cole uses it more for that spin rate, um, for the break, for the movement on his pitches. And I think that is going to affect him long-term more than it is Chapman. I think Chapman just needs to get his command down, although it's looking pretty bad. Um, but I mean, yeah, it sucks when he's your number one guy, you paid him so much money. And now with the sticky stuff ban, he's been bad. I mean, I think it's obvious to me that it's the, it's the sticky stuff ban. I don't really think it can be anything else. It's, it's too perfect in the timeline of when they banned these substances yeah and i i was talking to jack off air about this and he did make a good point next year once he gets time to prepare because that, that was one of the complaints with the ban they just did not give players enough time to prepare to make those changes to their game and jack was kind of telling me that he thinks that once cole has time to prepare to not use the sticky stuff to pitch without it, he thinks Cole will be fine. I don't know because it affects so much physically that I, I just I think it's up in the air. And when you give someone such a big contract like that, you don't want anything to be up in the air. You want to be right. certain that he can be your starter. He can be your ace day in and day out. He can be your guy, your Cy Young sort of guy. And now that's up in the air and. If, I am, if I'm a Yankees fan, I would be panicking right now. I, I don't blame them for panicking because that ban has really seemed to affect them more than anybody because they have two guys, one in their bullpen, one in their rotation, that it really affects them. And it really has. Offensively, the Yankees have been really awful. Uh, or, or take us through some of their struggles offensively for the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting because the Yankees are this powerhouse team. They're, they're kind of like the Dodgers with that on-paper lineup of just, like, just monsters 
every step of the way. But they have been struggling offensively. It's a big reason why they have been losing. It's it's the pitching, but it's also um, this lineup that's been struggling. You know, the, the main guys that they count on for production um, are just not performing of late. And it's really crazy to see this team in fourth place. But, you know, you can't have your star players not perform. As many you, – you can have ten star players, but if they don't perform, you're not going to play very well. Starting with Gary Sanchez, I mean, the guy is supposed to have his breakout year. Jack's been talking all about Gary Sanchez, how he's going to come back, make an impact, and he hasn't been all that great. He has only 14 home runs for a slugging guy. It should be higher, and he's batting two-thirds. Um, you know, his slugging percentage is under 500. He hasn't been great. Um, you know, Sanchez has, I, Sanchez has been decent. I Good mean, been great. And I, I think otherwise, I think the Yankees similar, like what I was talking about with the Cubs, right? A lot of strikeouts, a lot of strikeouts across the board, even with their guys that are playing. Okay. You know, it's, that's not what you want at all. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, this new age of baseball, everyone's thinking, you know, put the ball over the fence. But what we're seeing is these teams with high strikeouts, even if they do have high home runs, you know, they're not performing as well. And, it, like, you got to get people on base. If you have nobody on base, a solo home run is just one run, you know? Like, you need people to get singles. You need people to get hits, right? So, like, these teams that have really been, you know, that three-outcome baseball walk, strikeout, home run, like those teams that have really bought into that are not performing as well. And I think it's really biting the Yankees into the butt. You know, you're going to need to have guys hitting with higher averages. Um, a lot of these, I, I don't even think they have a single player hitting over 300. Um, so, you know, all that star power and nobody's really, you know, getting on base. So like, Oh, 40%. So can't be too good at that. Yeah, no, it's been a struggle for the Yankees. I, I, I think we're all kind of feeling the pain here. The Orioles obviously are not good. The Yankees have been a huge disappointment. <laughs> the Cubs are on an like, 11-game losing streak. We've all been feeling the pain, but now it's time to look at some things that uh, may make some people happy because we're going to go through our awards for the week, position player of the week, pitcher of the week, game, and series to watch. So we're going to take you through it. Ori, who is your position player of the week for this week? Okay, my position player of the week, and I think we're going to talk about his crazy accomplishment. On his birthday, he hit for the cycle. Trey Turner, on the season, he's batting 321. He's been an absolute monster, but he hit for the cycle on the 30th against the Rays. Went four for four, obviously with a single, double, triple, and home run. Um, and then against the Padres, he also went deep. So he has been living it up. Sammy, what do you think about this beautiful cycle on his birthday? He has now cycled three times in his career, uh, which is pretty outstanding. That's unreal. Trey Turner is – that guy has transformed his game. Now, I was talking about it last week when I had my friend Henry on the podcast. But Trey Turner – went from a singles guy, right? He was a total like singles guy, pretty good defensive shortstop, a lot of speed. That was his game. And that's who I saw him as when I first started watching him play. But now all of a sudden he's added a power element to his game. He's hitting for significant slug, more than you'd think. And lots of home runs. This guy can put it in the gaps and he still has the high contact rate. 
he's not striking out a lot. He's giving you everything. He's become a true five-tool shortstop, and it, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise almost that he's hit for three cycles, and I know that sounds crazy, but with the guy with this kind of speed, the kind of power he's added to his game, and the contact ability, the ability to put the ball in the gaps, Trey Turner, it shouldn't be surprised, like I said, that he is hit for the cycle three times. He's been ridiculous. Um, yeah, I mean, you and, talk about him uh, getting more power to his game. I mean, 15 home runs already. Yeah. You know, in 2019 and 2018, he had 19 in uh, both respective years each. So, I mean, he's going to have a career like high in home runs. Incredible. How many stolen bases were him? I'm curious. Uh, stolen bases. Marvelous question. I'm going to have to uh, – you're going to have to give me a second. All right, yeah, yeah, that's got nothing all but the time in the world, right? <laughs> 18, 18. I mean, you know, I think you might have to take it up with the power a little bit, but it is not out of the question for him to have a 40 40 year. Like, it's that fun. is fun. And, you know, I love Tatis. He's obviously the shortstop guy, but part of me did want to see Trey Turner start in the All Star game at shortstop. I mean, because. There's no question Tatis was going to be the guy like at shortstop for the NL, but like Turner's been having a year. Yes, I, I mean also like Tatis has not been very good in the field. Like he has 17 errors. Yeah, he does have a lot of errors. That has been a huge issue for Tatis. Yeah, it's mainly throwing errors, which is you know, I don't know. I mean, I really like Trey Turner. Like I really thought he could oh, yeah. totally make the start. I, yeah, I honestly, I wasn't a huge Trey Turner guy at first, but what he's done to his game, you know, these past few years, he's been a huge factor for the Nationals. And I'll tell you, the Nationals have some pieces offensively. And this year it hasn't quite worked out. They had a good stretch of games, but since Schwarber's gone down, it's been a little rough. But you have Soto, who's one of the best pure hitters in baseball. You have Trey Turner. Schwarber, who you could probably keep for another few years after the years he, after the year he's had, Josh Bell, who will hopefully resurrect his career. They have some pieces offensively. Who knows if they'll turn it around? But this is can be a very solid offensive team. I'll go now with my position player of the week, and I am gonna have to go with Shohei Otani. And we were talking about Brett Phillips earlier. The comparisons, but uh, Shohei Otani, man, is ridiculous. Weekly stat line, 360, 467. He slugged one, uh, 1,320. I, I mean, that ridiculous. Seven home runs this week. He hit seven home runs this week. 345 WRC plus. And what I love about this week for Shohei, what I'm going to point out here, at the beginning of the week, he had a horrible pitching outing. 0.2 innings pitched, two-thirds of an inning, seven earned runs, four walks, two hits. His worst outing of the year kind of plummeted his ERA. Very unfortunate. But he was able to make up for that offensively because some guys, especially you don't see too many two-way players, obviously, but let's just say defensively. You make a few errors. Sometimes they could get to you and affect your performance offensively or vice versa. But the great thing that Shohei has proved to us is that he was not going to let bad performances on one part of his game 
affect the other part of his game. Because, yes, he had a horrible pitching week, one of the worst outings of his career, but he made up for it by having one of the best offensive weeks of his career with seven home runs. I mean, I don't know, man. This guy's unreal. He may as well, he might lead the league in home runs. I mean, probably not ERA at this point, but he he's one of the best pitchers and one of the best hitters in baseball. And it's kind of, it's mind boggling to be honest. It, he's crazy. Yeah. He's he uh, like, I remember I saw this video where he, in the same like two day span, or maybe even in the same day, he threw a pitch a hundred miles per hour and then hit a ball. A hundred It was the same night. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. It was the same night. It was absolutely insane. I mean, the things this guy can do, I just hope he lasts. Like we know he's had injuries. We know being a two way player is extremely difficult on the body. Like, and he's already 27. So I just hope we can see more years of Shohei because, I mean, man, he is fun to watch on the mound. And I love seeing him just destroy baseball. Well, and not only one of the best hitters this year in baseball, he's slugging right now over 700. Nobody has done that in a full season since Barry Bonds in 2004. That's some serious company to be in. I mean, that's not... That's not a random guy who led the league in slugging percentage one year. That is Barry Bonds. On roids. His, yeah, on roids in his best year. So, when he was getting walked like 50% of the time, basically. You know, Shohei has some potential to be one of the greatest players of all time. Like you said, he's got to stay healthy. I want him to stay healthy. I pray to the gods that he stays healthy. But it's very difficult. If he can do it, I think he will go down as one of the greatest of all time. The talent is undeniably there. It's just staying on the field, and he's done it so far this year. And look at the results. I think he's the MVP front runner, and it's not a question in the AL. Uh, Shohei's the guy, easily my player of the week, uh, position player of the week, seven home runs. I don't think there's too much else to say. Pitcher of the week. And unfortunately, this guy is actually facing the Cubs tomorrow night. So it's probably going to end up being 12 straight losses for the Cubs after tomorrow. But Zach Wheeler has had an incredible year. I don't feel like we're talking about Zach Wheeler enough. He throws harder than almost any other starter in baseball. He's sitting like 97, I think maybe close to 98, which is pretty ridiculous. It's almost, no, no one's almost to Grom level, but... It's like the stratosphere below that, which is very impressive. His weekly stat line, 14.2 innings pitched, 8 hits, 2 walks, 17 strikeouts, and here's the big one. In those 14.2 innings, no earned runs. He's been a monster. He's not letting that many guys on base in the first place, and he's clutch because he's not letting them reach home. He's not letting these guys score. Zach Wheeler has some serious stuff, and... If the Phillies are to make a comeback in the NL East, he's going to be a huge reason why he's been a serious ace for them. And you got to think with that rotation, if Nola can get going again, you know, he, he was in the Scion conversation a few years ago, that could be a pretty good rotation in years to come. So Wheeler has been absolutely incredible. Great acquisition for the Phillies, which I, I think was like a few years ago. But um, I, I love Wheeler. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, their rotation is, like, it can be dangerous with Wheeler leading it. You were talking about Nola. I mean, 
this team, although they're exceptionally broke, um, they have some <laughs> yeah. studs. They have some absolute studs. And um, now I'm going to go on to my pitching stud, and that's Yerman Marquez, who uh, I don't know how impressive this is, but he did go a complete game against the Pirates. Uh, it is the Pirates, which, you know, yeah. put in asterisks, but still and baseball teams. Still major league hitters are major league hitters. Major league hitters are major league hitters. I agree with that. Went complete game, only allowing one hit. A complete game, one hitter. Pretty exceptional. Only had five strikeouts, one walk. He's a really, you know, pitch to contact, exceptionally controlled guy. Um, I really love watching him pitch. Pitches for the Rockies. I'm not sure oh, yeah. too many people know about him, but he's really exciting to watch. Um, absolutely dominated against the Pirates. Then pitched against the Cardinals. Went six innings, two earned runs. Um, 11 Ks though. So he's been putting together um, a pretty solid season, a three, six ERA. Um, but yeah, recently he has been absolutely on fire, which is awesome to see. All right. Now we're going to go to the game of the week. Sammy, what do you got for us? All right. Game of the week. I have a pretty fun one. A's versus Red Sox. This was on Saturday, which was the first of July. No, that would have been the 3rd of July. 3rd of July, because Sunday was July 4th. All right, so this is a nationally televised game. Everyone gets to see it. That's fun. And uh, this is A's Red Sox in Oakland. And Red Sox were up early, 3-1 in the fifth inning. Renflo had a sack fly. J.D. Martinez has been great this year. Had an RBI single. And then Kike Hernandez with a blast to extend it 4-2. And so this is a pretty average game to this point. But the A's come bouncing back. Seth Brown and Elvis Andrews had RBI hits for the A's in the bottom of the eighth to tie the game. So late in the game, they're making a comeback push. So it's starting to get very exciting. They force that to extra innings, so no one scores. And what's remarkable, especially with the new runner second rule in extras, there were, I think, three scoreless innings. I'm doing my math right. They went into the 12th inning without scoring a run. In extras, Red Sox scored two in the top of the 12th, so they were up. But then the A's put up three in the bottom of the inning to walk it off. An absolute thriller of a game. Not to mention that Rafael Devers made a sick diving play. I don't know if you saw it. No. I, he, he was on, on the forehand. He just jumped out of nowhere. Just dived for this baseball. He gets up quickly, makes an incredible throw. Devers is has been an asset for the Red Sox. I'll tell you that much. That was a fun game, though. That is our game of the week. And before we move on, I want to just kind of pivot back. I just want to say, because you were talking about Herman Marquez, who has been great this year. He had a gr and you also got to think, he's pitching at Coors Field. Yep. Right? That is not easy at all with the altitude up there, and we know how much of a home run park that is. He's going to be a big asset at the trade deadline. I'll just be real. The Rockies are obviously selling. It's been him and Marquez – that teams have been looking at to acquire. And there are a lot of teams that could use a starting pitcher. The Dodgers, I already said, are looking to add starting pitching. The Blue Jays, if they're trying to make a push, if they're trying to make a push, excuse me, obviously need starting pitching. There, there are a lot of teams. I, I could list off quite a few. The Giants. The Reds, maybe the Reds, if the Reds are trying to make a push, can maybe acquire Marquez. The, there are a lot of teams. And Marquez has been very good this year. And you got to think, if he's pitching that well in the Rocky Mountains, 
Imagine what he could do in, at normal at normal altitude. So he's going to get dealt this at the tra trade deadline. A lot of teams are going to be offering a lot for this guy. He's one of the biggest pieces in my eyes because he's been the ace for the Rockies. He's been very good. And now moving on, we're getting close to the end here today. Um, all right, series to watch. That's what we have next. We're getting towards the end here, and it is Astros versus Athletics. It's a three-game set. Starts today. That's Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So game one is tonight. Probably just started. And this is a big one because there's a lot at stake. This is These are obviously two teams at the top of the AL West. The Athletics are currently back three and a half games. So if they sweep the Astros, they're going to be back only a half game. But if they get swept, they're going to be back six and a half. That is a huge difference. That's a six-game uh, difference between getting swept versus sweeping them. So a lot is at stake here in a competitive division. The A's have been playing some good baseball. I'm excited to see what goes down. The Astros have been hot all year. I feel like they're always just winning games. Ori, what do you got to say about this uh, series to watch? It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, definitely going to be a fun one. It's that type of series that's kind of like a six-game series. Like, uh, that's what happens with these three-game sets against divisional opponents. Both guys, both teams at the top of their division. Athletics, as you said, three and a half games back. But, you know, even the Mariners, only seven games back. So anything can happen. The Athletics might slide to third you know, if stuff goes poorly for them. Both teams have not been, you know, the hottest of late. Uh, Astros 5-5 five and five and Athletics 4-6 and six in the last 10. So it's going to be interesting to see who kind of bounces back and makes a strong push. These three games, you know, could kind of set the tone. You see if the Astros win all three, they have a pretty decent lead on the rest of the field. Um, but again, the Athletics are an exceptionally talented team. So are the Astros. It's going to be quite the series. I think the game really just started. So uh, Yeah, just just to prove our point, Rory, I, I'm looking at the score of the game that just started. Bottom of the sixth inning, 6-6 six to six ball game. There you go. So some things happened to get there. It's going to be a great series. It already is. 6-6 six, six. game for all we know could go into extra innings. We'll keep an eye on it. But unfortunately for us, that does it here on episode 70 of wow. Shatter from the Chiefs. Yeah, 70 episodes. Quite quite a lot. It's kind of hard to believe, to be honest. Um, we've been doing this thing for a while. We actually missed our one-year anniversary, which was two months ago, where we never really mentioned it, but we did have that. So, yeah, <laughs> us. We, uh, we are one in two months roughly old, so that, that's pretty cool. And mm -hmm. yeah, any last words, Ori? A fun episode here today on this uh, July Tuesday in July. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys so much for watching. Seventy episodes. We are officially a small baby, or yeah. I mean, maybe a large baby now. You're you're in a little. Um, so yeah, series to watch. I'm actually really excited. Going to definitely turn on NBA and Astros. Have yeah. like double screen action. Um, so yeah, thank you guys so much for uh, listening and, uh, you know, have a great rest of your week. All right. Well, that does it. Ori, take us out. Bye.